Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for Human Conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. Welcome everybody to the Human Conversation. I've got a fabulous lady with me today and she runs a really wonderful company which is all about sustainability. It's called Profit Impact and her name is Sarah Whale. Sarah, welcome to the Human Conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Jules. No, we've uh, we tried to do it once before and the technology got in the way, but I'm really happy that we're, we're here today. Yeah, it's so nice to have you on because I think this is such a great subject. So I definitely want to dig into sustainability and what it means because I think that's so important. But I also want to find out a bit about Sarah because that wouldn't be right if I wasn't a bit nosy. No. So, um, so where did Sarah start then? When you left school, what, what did you want to be, Sarah? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> Everybody answers <laughs> like that. Most people. Um, my dad said, "Oh, well, you're good at numbers," and um, so I went to work as a an accounts assistant in a little practice in central London, and um, it literally just grew from there. So realised actually I was quite good with numbers, and um, and yeah, and then just went through and did my qualifications and have had quite a. Uh, a long and meandering career is how I describe it, um, <laughs> punctuated by, by children. And I've always had to straight wanted to work um, through bringing up my three children. So it's been quite challenging to make that happen. So I've, I've tried lots of different things, but mainly within the finance, the finance arena. So numbers, 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 isn't it funny? I started out in uh, a bank, obviously. I think you yeah. know that bit. So I was in NatWest Bank. And then one of the positions I went to sort of not long after leaving the bank was in an accounts department. Right. You know, okay. I went into the bigger world of business and I worked for Recaro Car Seats, which right. were really popular in kind of sports, in the sports arena. But also many cars have them in, but they don't realise because they're not branded. Right, okay. And we had this first uh, factory that had come to the UK, which was a German brand. So I was in the accounts department and I was paying all of the people working on the shop floor. So I was payroll and I was dealing with various other bits of accounting. My favorite bit was payroll, just because right. it was proper admin, easy tick boxes, fill in spreadsheets and stuff. So I'm clearly a bit nerdy with spreadsheets. Yeah, although payroll's quite, um, it's, it's a one thing you cannot get wrong. Oh. So well, you have to be able to cope with the, the pressure of payroll, I think. Well, or equally, I was also collecting uh, cards because, you know, clocking cards. Right. So it was, it was a little bit manual stroke automated, yeah. you know, because this was a long time ago. So, yes, you're right. I suppose mm. there's quite a lot of working out that I was doing. But I did reach the conclusion that I just wasn't an accounts person. I, it no. just wasn't my thing, you know. And I, I ended up, I think the last thing I did was uh, credit control. And that probably just put the ceiling on the, yeah. the end of it for me. <laughs> Not the end. 
<laughs> chasing people for money. Um, yeah. So you've worked in accounts and obviously with the numbers side of things. Um, are you a qualified accountant? Is that I am, the route you yeah. went down? So I didn't. I didn't do a degree. Um, I I uh, failed my A levels quite spectacularly. <laughs> one a level actually um but i went in to as an accounts assistant but then decided i was going to study you could do something called aat which yes is the accounting technician and then i went straight to the acca um, brilliant so yeah so i've been qualified for yeah 25 years now wow that's amazing yeah do you feel like whatever you do in life now you've kind of got that I hate to say as a string to your bow, but you've kind of always got that, haven't you? I, that's what I always think about yes. these qualifications. Yes, and I really don't think I appreciated that up until quite recently. Um, so the ACCA, um, they've actually a, a transformed organisation. They do an amazing job, at, you know, genuinely do an amazing job. Um, and I actually feel that it's, it's a great organisation to be affiliated to and I can learn from and I contribute to so it yeah it's been it's been really good I think the thing with accountancy like most professions um it's just changing quite a lot and it's it's transforming right now so even though you're a qualified accountant so you qualify I don't know whether it was 10 years ago 25 years ago you have to keep up to date yes. um otherwise you just you can still call yourself an accountant but you, can you really do, you know, do you really know what's happening? Yeah. Can they actually take away that qualification or is it a case of the integrity of it is that you just stay up, you know, stay in front, if you like? Yeah, you have to do CPD. So you have to do, I think it's 20, 21 units a year you've got to do. And you have to evidence that. And um, I think it's quite good. I mean, they do do routine audits and check. So, you know, you, the, only, the onus is on you to do it. I think, I think what's interesting is, I think I'm right in saying this, and I'm 99% sure I'm right, that they don't tell you what you have to do. So you could just stay within your little, you know, if you're a tax person, you might just learn tax. Yeah. Um, now I'm actually, although I've said to you already numbers, I'm a numbers girl, I'm definitely more interested in strategy and leadership um, sustainability so I tend not to go down as much into the core accounting CPD so yeah. I'm more I like to say more big picture yeah no <laughs> this detail. is this is great and it kind of brings us nicely on to talking about what you're doing now really after all yeah. of those years working presumably for other companies yes I have had a couple of my own businesses okay um, which were a bit of a variety one was a football coaching company um, wow. a, a franchisee, um, which I loved that, and that was six or seven years. Um, and then I had a cut, yeah, a couple of other businesses, but pr it's primarily been finance, finance yeah. roles. Yeah, I love that. You see, we're finding all these little quirky things out about you, Sarah. It's great. You more to uh, find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to just give no. them. I've got to find no. them away. Keep <laughs> I mean, the football coaching thing is interesting in terms of how did you ever get into something like that? Well, actually, I used to play football when I was younger. You I knew I was going to find out more about you. So um, I've, I, I actually really believe that sport is a force for good. And um, I 
also back in when I when I bought this franchise, sports moved on a lot in the past probably 15 years. Um, but when I bought it, there was absolutely nothing for younger children, like like the really young, and I mean like from age two. Yeah. So um, I just heard about this franchise opportunity, and where I live in South Hertfordshire, I just thought, oh my goodness, this is going to fly. Um, so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a gamble because I had quite a good job at Booper at the time, um, but I just wanted to do it, so um, I did it, and it was it was brilliant. You know, I think we had like a six or seven hundred children every week playing football that wouldn't have been playing football at that age group. You know, yeah. so they, learned, they were learning really good skills. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't just the football. It was, you know, the the, the teamwork resilience it, it was yeah it was great really good opportunity yeah children what sort of um age were the children um age two to five in the main oh so they were little toddlers weren't they, were, they? they were little and that was quite challenging um because you had to find coaches football coaches to coach two to two to four year olds yeah. um so at the beginning that was that was quite hard and I know but I was very surprised you know we did actually find some really good really good coaches yeah. and a real mix of ages it wasn't just uh, you know um dads or mums that were good it was actually we we got some really cool young football coaches coming in coaching coaching the kids so yeah, yeah it's a great opportunity that I look back in fondness on that yeah, it's nice, isn't it, to have that experience because it is a bit different to what you'd been doing, and and also the fact you played football. So come on, was this at a club level, or you know, how good were you? Again, again, it, women's sports moved on, moved on so much from from when I was young. So I did, I did play a reasonable amount, but it, it just was not structured. It, it just was not structured. I mean, whether I would have played for England, I highly doubt it. Um, but I was, I was quite involved in it. But you might have played for a club level, being that now there's quite a good position for women in the club scene, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. I think I, I think I probably would have, or at least I've had the opportunity to go for a trial. That's Amazing. probably where I would have got to. So. Yeah. I love that about you. And I didn't know that either. So that's so cool that I found that out in my podcast. So um, did you give up the job at Booper to do the football thing or was it alongside? I did it, I did it alongside for the first six months just to yeah. make sure I could monetize it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that was that. And that was a bit busy because also Freddie was, Freddie's my eldest. He must have been, oh yes, he think he was, he was two two and a half and my daughter was three months so it was quite a hectic <laughs> it was quite a hectic six months so those two working and, and setting up little kickers but um it was it was good I seem to find more and more women who were mad like me and started running businesses when their children were three months old <laughs> <laughs> the thing is back then back then I keep saying back then I'm sounding really old but but really back then it I'm not saying it's easy now, but it was a lot harder to get flexible working. And I, I actually do enjoy working most of the time. I do enjoy working. So I wanted to work and I needed to bring the money in. But also I wanted everything. I wanted to be there for my kids and bring the money in. So, so I think you're right. And, and yeah, completely. We so like each other in that sense, mm. I think. And yeah. I think the other thing about back then, if I'm honest, is that 
we didn't have, well, I didn't have social media. You know, people have probably heard me say this on my previous podcast, but the internet was only just starting to kick around. We had very basic websites that needed huge bandwidths to run before they crashed. Um, You know, we had a very different world back then in order to get visible. And so I think today to get visible is so much easier. But then the, I guess the argument would be you then got a lot more people in that space and it's quite a big noise out there, isn't it? Well, I, I find that really interesting because um, we are really monitoring our social media at the moment. Well, we have been since we started and our digital interaction. And we're, we're getting quite good engagement, but it's not really generating traffic to the website of any, of any substance whatsoever. Yet with little kickers, um, we had one photo of this really, really cute looking footballer who was age three in, I don't know whether it was the St. Albans Review, it was one of the free weekend papers. That photo came out and the phone, the landline phone went off the hook. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, we, we just couldn't keep up with all the calls. And, and it's, so I guess, I think it's harder now to, to actually make an impact yeah. because there's so much on social media. Yeah, it's um, a busy place, isn't it? It's a really busy place, yeah. You, you've got to kind of like, this is when I talk about UHP. So this yeah. is like the uniqueness of you and yeah. how you stand yeah. out. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this before, you and I, and you've got these fabulous glasses. And I'm going to mention them because if anybody, anybody is watching on YouTube, so that means you all need to go and look, the, look at the YouTube. Sarah's got these amazing glasses um, and they're just fabulous. And they're very much an ism. We talk about mm. isms in the UHP, you know, what makes you unique. And, and your glasses are fabulous. You'd only just got them, I think, the last time we were talking. Yes. Um, and they just look great. I just love I them. There have been lots of compliments, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just being polite. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I actually really like them as well. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're memorable. So, like, yeah. I remember that about you. Now, that doesn't mean to say I remember, that's all I remember because then it goes on that then we create a bigger relationship. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about what you're doing now because at what right. point did you then decide you needed to do something for yourself again? Yeah, so um, I had a, a big job, as they call it, like a tough job in London, you know, managing a team of, 60, 60 or 70 across Asia and America and Europe. It was a really challenging role. Um, and I did, I did enjoy it, um, but I s- felt that there was something not quite right. Um, and I just didn't know what that was. So I, ju- I did take the very bold move of leaving because um, at the time my husband wasn't working. So wow. it was a bit of a step um maybe because i had my big birthday looming and um i felt like it was it was now or never possibly that's what i was thinking so i went um went on a yoga retreat um, always good to do that sarah <laughs> a bit of a classic found myself an executive coach and i'm very much um i'm not very spiritual in that you know i'm i don't i tend not to listen to people when they say yeah just stop be still it will all come to you <laughs> well I, I don't believe I don't believe in any of that but that's exactly what happened to me. what you did yeah <laughs> that's exactly what happened I did my yoga had my coaching and for about four months did lots of research and thinking 
And what came out of it was, um, I can wrap myself up in knots because I really like to do the right thing. I, I'm kind of the pragmatist, the voice of reason. You know, I, I'm, I don't want to make myself sound like an angel here, but that's just the way I operate. When I make decisions, I like to think of everybody in the who's affected. So there, there's one, that's one side of me. And then the other side of me is I'm, I'm really passionate about um, equality and women. Um, and I did a lot of work in community sport to get young girls playing football where we live. Um, so with this fairness, doing the right thing, equality, and I'd faced quite a few business ethics challenges within my finance roles. I kind of came to the conclusion that actually what I wanted to do was find something that used all those skills and finance. I, I think I did make my executive coach think, I don't know if I can help her with this. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds quite hard. But anyway, in the end, we did. it is actually sustainability. Yeah. Now, that sustainability is a, a big part of it is actually when you make a decision, you think about everything that's impacted on that decision, yeah. whether that's people, your suppliers, your customers, your environment. Um, and, and so, and so, yeah, so that's kind of, that's how I got to, right, I'm going to set this up. I just love this so much because, you know, I just, I think for me, sustainability was always one of these words where I went environment. Yes. And I think a lot of people do that. I think they think sustainability means environment, but actually let's think a bit bigger than that. As yeah. you've just said right there so beautifully, better mm. than I could have put it really, that it's about how everything impacts everything else. Isn't yes. that a wonderful description of it? You know, yes, it completely is. And um, I, I'm learning so much as I go through this. Um, but I, <laughs> And it seems to be that every time in the calendar something happens. So on Friday, we had Black Friday. And this year, I sat there thinking, crikey, this really doesn't make sense. We're encouraging everybody to buy more and more stuff that they don't need, which is, you know, impacting on the environment. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. I, I love it. I, mean, I, I, I cannot go back. And you're clearly passionate about it. And that's, yes. that's the other part of this, I think, which is, which more, which is what makes this so compelling, yes. is that it's not just a, a buzzword, let's just do that. It's a whole lot more than that, which you're actually very passionate about as an individual, which means yes. that that comes through your business and everything that you do. Yes. And every touch point of that business has your uniqueness to it because you're passionate about it. I think I think it does, um, and, and you're right. And when I'm writing things, and I'm not a big writer, but when I write things, it feels more natural because I'm not having to make things up. Like it's just kind of coming from within. Yeah. So you know you're in the right place. Yes. Um, what what is tricky um, is that what we are trying to do is to move businesses down not me but generally all these companies are talking about sustainability you're trying to move businesses to become sustainable um but but part of that really is is trying to look at 
how you run your business and, and how you approach your value and growth. Um, because growth in terms of your bottom line or your top line is not necessarily the answer. And that's quite a hard thing to convince people because that's a different way of thinking. Yeah. So um, I say that's the biggest challenge that we face is that we are, we, we need to become sustainable within the world, but we have this kind of financial system where people measure performance on, on the profit. You're talking my language because I'm coming from the sales side of that and having right. been in sales for 30 years and all I ever heard from my bosses were, here's your target, this is the revenue you need to achieve, yeah. end of. Yeah. So the, the first focus was always revenue. Yeah. The second focus was, oh, how should we do that then? Uh, and, and this is the way that it still works out there in sales, yeah. which ultimately is business, let's face it. Yeah. And I am in this place in sales where I'm trying to get people to think about people first. Yeah. People equals revenue. Yeah. You're in this place that then looks at the big picture of your business and all the elements that mean that actually you could have a profitable business, yeah. but that is not where you should be starting. No, no. That, that, that's exactly it. The way I see this, and, and, and I'm not on my own, this is the general view, is that if you look at everything holistically and it, and it, and it, I mean, you clearly you've got to have commercial models that work and yes. you've got to have something that you're selling that somebody actually wants. If you have that, and, but you, you actually look after everything else, then the profit will come. Yes, but exactly. You've, you've got to go in it in the long term. You and know? you've got to trust as well, because the reason why I think revenue always leads typically as that core focus and the panic piece, yeah. I'll call it, because I feel like that's what happens in sales, especially now, yeah. is because people aren't thinking the right way around. They're not okay. trusting that if they do the right things for the people, for the planet, with their products, you know, everything it's exciting. Yeah. I can't get more excited about the opportunity of looking at a business in a different way, you know? Yeah, it, 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 it's, just, it's just brilliant. I mean, we did, um, we've set our goals for this year um, and we've got, we've got six or seven goals across each of the pillars. So we call them the pillars. Yes. I think you persuaded me to call them pillars. It was your suggestion. It was very uh, good. Thank you for I that. think you probably came up with it yourself, Sarah, yeah, as no, I was I coaching you. <laughs> you remember you saying that. So, so we've got goals for all of these pillars. And well, it, was so, it was so nice to have those goals and know we're working towards them. Yeah. And actually, at the moment, we don't have a profit goal actually we will next year it's, it's quite hard to have a profit goal when you're in the first year of startup in a pandemic yeah. <laughs> but but you know yeah. we we are we are setting our pillars in place so we know how we want to run the business and you know what what are the goals we're going to be working towards yeah, and it was such a it was such a lovely way of planning for the business yeah I love it. And I want to know what the pillars are because for my audience listening, they're all going to be there going, so what are the pillars? Come on, spill the beans. <laughs> the pillars people won't be surprised about actually because the pillars are what, what are looked at within business, but we're just referring to them and looking at them in a different way. So you've got five pillars. 
And the first is your customer base, or your, your I suppose, your existing customers, customers that have, have moved on, or your prospective customers. Um, your environment, so your environmental impact. Um, your people. Yay. Your communities, so which I, I find a fascinating one, actually. Well, they're all interesting, but communities is fascinating. So communities is all the people aside from your employees. So, um, so effectively your suppliers or your local community. Um, and then, and then the fifth pillar, which I view underpins everything is the finance and governance. So how you operate your business within how you manage it and how you manage your finances. So they're, they're the five pillars across the business. Great. And so I guess this forms the model of how you then work with the business yourself in your your new business, your new pandemic business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it completely does. So we keep it simple and we help our businesses, first of all, understand how sustainable they are today. And then we work with them and, and we, you know, we say, right, well, where where do you want to get to? You know, what what are your goals? What, you know, what do you want to do? And then we will help them come up with a plan. Mm. We're not environmental experts. We're not HR consultants. What we do is we, we give them the overall approach and then, and then we, we work with them and say, right, where do we think we need the expertise? Maybe, maybe they've got a, they manufacture something so they need an environmental specialist and we help them find that. Um, but what we help them do is understand the financial implications of yeah. sustainability. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's effectively the start, and and what what the very much the plan is that these customers come on a journey with us. Yeah. Um, and we can we can support them ongoing. Yeah, but that's I really great. because it's a long term a long term proposition. Sustainability is not me going into a business doing some numbers, having a few meetings, and then it's all, it's all kind of sorted. It's all fixed. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not that easy. I think another thing, Sarah, is that I suppose sustainability is a moving thing. Completely. So I mean, you're, you're never going to kind of have finished your work, in essence, are you? No, no. And that, that's completely, completely right. Um, I think that once you get into it, the vast majority of businesses that once they get into it, they will just want to grow and grow their sustainability. Yeah. It's quite infectious yeah. when you start to see the progress and, and you start to really believe that by doing it, you are strengthening your business. You know, once you can see that, once you can see that, then you want to do more and more. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, the other side of it is because there's a lot of, um, regulation in motion at the moment so it's not all bedded down so you've got to really understand what's happening and keep you know keep in touch with the kind of the landscape if you like yeah so yeah. we're looking to help our customers do that so that when the new things come in we can say oh hang on Jules you need to be sure that you're looking at this or yeah yeah and are we referring potentially to things like Brexit changing the landscape of sustainability or not i don't think brexit will if brexit's impacted on quite a lot but not sustainability i think um i think what will happen with sustainability there will be 
some quite significant changes to financial reporting and accounting standards. Although that's not, I don't think that's going to happen next year. But what is going to happen is you're going to have taxation. That's definitely, definitely coming, coming down the line. Um, that also you have, um, you have measures that you have to report around the KPIs, the KPIs of your business. Um, that's all the kind of, I suppose, what you would call the boring stuff. Unless you really like reporting and KPI <laughs> measures, you might get excited by that. Yeah. But that, that for most people is, is, is kind of the boring stuff. But I think the positive stuff that's coming is, and a lot of it is here, is the amount of kind of finance which is available for businesses that want to innovate in sustainability or they want to transition their business. Yeah. And that's quite it's a serious but important point um, is that if you are a maybe 50 employees plus business, possibly even 20 employees plus business, and you, you know, depending on the sector you're in, it can, it can be a bit overwhelming to think, how am I going to get from here to here, you know, to become sustainable? Because you might have long-term contracts in your business, and you, you know, your employee base, they, you just might not have quite the right talent in your team to do some of the things you want to do. Yeah. Um, but there's funding, you know, there is funding that's available to support you, whether that's either loans or investment um, or government, free government funding. So there is, there's lots of good stuff. Is that part of what you'd help with, things like identifying funding for businesses that you work with? Yes, yeah. yes, it is, yeah. it is. So I've just finished a, um, a programme at, at Cambridge University on, on that point, actually, which was, which was really good. I mean, it's such a big area. We're talking trillions of, mo of, of money. There's yeah. trillions out there to go into, um, into sustainability. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's actually quite exciting. It's hard for SMEs at the moment. You know, it's hard. It's, you know, they've had the COVID, the furlough, the Brexit. I mean, it, it must be really overwhelming. But I, I really, in my heart, believe that sustainability is a positive thing. That if they can find the time to kind of talk to me and let me help them, I think I could really help them make, a, make it more positive. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the other thing is that with COVID, we've had this sort of year where many people are now saying, well, actually, I've reassessed stuff. Actually, yeah. it's made me stop and think. You know, and, and for me, that's one of the big positives is that we've actually stopped to say, were we really working smart or were we just running 100 miles an hour, hoping yes. that everything was going to just hit? Yeah. Um, and I think people have slowed down and started to think what's important to us. And if they're resetting ready for 2021, which we will do, whether we like yeah. it or not, that's what we yeah. do in a new year. It's that yeah. little light, isn't it, at the end of the tunnel. Maybe now is the time to start saying, right, if we've never talked about sustainability, that's something to add to our agenda right now. I, I mean, I really, really think so. Um, I mean, I, I feel that, and I'm not just saying this because it's my business at all. No. I, I feel that financially is absolutely compelling to do this. Um, but even more so, I think it's to not do it. To not do it is a, big, is a bigger problem. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage anyone actually that wants to kind of find out more just to 
just start having having a look around you know come and look on my website at, you know get in contact with me and we can we can talk and um i would i would definitely start to look i would yeah and i think um i mean we're going to put all of your links in with this podcast so yeah. people can connect to you sarah yeah. listeners you have to connect to sarah whether you're even if you're in a business that you're running on your own one of your customers could absolutely benefit from working and looking at you know the sustainability part of what sarah does it might be she's a great collaboration for you i'm just thinking out loud sarah because you know what i'm like but i think all of us have a footprint in this where we have a responsibility to sustainability you know and I've got no idea. I need to probably think about doing the, you know, practice what you preach, Jules, you know. But you're the lady to talk to, aren't you, Sarah, for, for just, is, it, is there some kind of audit you do from memory that, that kind of gives us this overview? What, yeah, what is it that you do? Yeah, the snapshot that we do, where we, we, we go in and we'll do, we'll do, well, basically, I will have a conversation with you and then we'll, we'll go through and we'll, I'll, I'll, pull, I'll pull together something which will, give you a benchmarked assessment against a B Corp, the B Corporation. That's something for people to really have a look at. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right that it, we've, all, we've all got a part to play in this. And whether that's within our business or within our home life. Life, yeah. Or our leisure. Maybe it's in our, at our sports club. We're a member of the sports club. What can that sports club do? Um, I think it's a very, it's a very interesting space um, that we can all we can all do something and get involved. Yeah, who's your ideal customer, Sarah? Who are the people that you would love to get introduced to? I would like to get introduced to definitely people with an open mind to start with. It's I really important. To, yeah, it's really important that people. Um, at least are intrigued as to find out what this is all about. Um, in terms of the kind of business, I mean, we are relatively sector agnostic, i.e. We, 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 we believe we can help the vast majority of businesses. We're starting with the smaller, but between 20 and 100 employees yeah. is, is what that's probably will be our sweet spot, I think. Yeah. Um, Do they have to be in the UK, Sarah, or could you actually work with anybody? In, in other parts of the world? It's a good question. Um, I think we, we could definitely work with people in the other side of the world. If it was a bigger company, um, I think it would depend on the sector and the size of the business and, and the country and their regulations. Mm -hmm. We do have some contacts now across, you, know, you speak to so many people in sustainability, I can't tell you what an open sector it is. Everybody. Yeah. You know, everyone's very open and sharing. Um, so, so yes, the answer is yes. I'm sure we we can help, or if we can't help, we can find someone who can. Yeah, great stuff, Sarah. It's been um, really great to kind of talk about sustainability in a way that even I can understand. Um, <laughs> and I'm hoping that um, our listeners have certainly thought that it's very much food for thought and that sustainability is not quite as complicated or, or is even just one rooted, if, you're, if I could say that about it. It's not just about environment, it's about so many other things, as yeah. you said. It really, it really is. And, and one thing that somebody said to me about six months ago, 
was actually he heads up the sustainability department of in a company and and i said oh that sounds very good doing a really good job there and he said to me well thank you sarah but actually i only feel like i'm doing a good job when there is no sustainability department so when it's embedded into the business that's just the way we do things amazing and i think that's right and but I think the beauty for SMEs is that that actually is much easier to make happen. So in a large corporate business, I can completely see how you would have a sustainability for the team. Yeah. But within an SME, we can work together to really embed that. It's quite exciting, I think. Yeah, and everybody plays their part in it, yeah. don't they? Which is, yeah. which is awesome. So parting thoughts, Sarah, if you could tell us one thing, the listeners, that's going to inspire us for the rest of the day after listening to this podcast, what would it be? Well, I think for me, obviously it depends on the listener, but in terms of what inspires me the most, it's the future generations. Yeah, it's doing something for the future generations. Um, it's really hard for the children of this this current age. You know, you look at you look at what they're facing with property, the climate. I mean, they're so passionate about the climate crisis because they know it's going to impact them. Yeah. Um, and so, many people invest a lot of money in their children, whether it's private education or all the dance classes or whatever you want to invest in your children or your niece. Or, you know, I think what we could do is stop all our investment and just put all our efforts into creating a better, a better future. That's what I truly think. I love that. Sarah, thank you. Inspiring, darling. Oh, um, good. <laughs> so nice to have you on my podcast at last and no, just talk about nice. something that I think is such an important subject. So mm -hmm. I hope the listeners enjoy. This has been a little bit different, really, talking about something like sustainability. And I'm delighted that we have. So thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jules. It was really nice to talk to you. And the listeners, yeah, what about all that then, eh? Sustainability, you know, I, I know that when I was talking to Sarah many times as we have, that sustainability started to mean a, a totally different thing to me. Uh, and I was very educated. And I hope you have been today with this podcast. Please do like and subscribe on the channel where you listen. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and SoundCloud. And you can see this fabulous conversation on YouTube. So please do join us next time on The Human Conversation. Thanks for listening. Ta-ta for now. You've just been listening to The Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.